Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, John Wertheim here in this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Happy 2021. It's our first podcast of the year. I'm joined by Jamie for some real tennis chat because there are real matches. Uh, Jamie, good morning. Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm I'm good. It's, uh, it's strange to uh, wake up in the morning and actually have match results come flitting uh, across your screen along with... Uh, Georgia election results. We're talking on Wednesday morning, and uh, already the women are at play in Abu Dhabi. The men are qualifying in Delray, and even uh, never mind COVID. It's just nice, nice to have tennis back. It, uh, it's been a while since we've uh, been in a position to actually talk about some tennis and not just uh, guessing games about the calendar or uh, trying to uh, find other ways to, to fill time as we wait for tennis to return. So uh, good, good to see the sport back with us. Um, I, I thought we would do a few things today. One of them is um, we talked with Sam Query the other day. Uh, he told us uh, why he made his escape from Russia, and that seems to have generated a, a fair amount of attention, pro and con. Maybe we can talk about that. And then we did a column uh, projecting 2021, and someone suggested we actually, instead of just answering, why don't we provide some logic and some reason and talk through some of the choices we made in terms of prognosticating 2021. So I thought uh, you and I would, would do that this morning. How does that sound? Sounds good. I, uh, I will say the, the Sam Query interview, uh, as you said, got a, a lot, quite a lot of responses. I think um, for a while we didn't hear anything from him at all. And of course the ATP investigation concluded and the suspended fine came down. Um, and so I think a lot of people were really interested to hear his side of the story, though I think people are still very much divided on where they stand. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, remember when this news first broke in October, this was a few days after the, the 2020 French Open, uh, the ATP had a very strongly worded statement. And there was even, uh, I mean, I, I had people that were deep inside these discussions inside tennis say, look, Sam Query may have played his last match. This is a serious breach. This could be, you know, a, a six month suspension, even a one year suspension. Sam Query already in his mid thirties, this, this could have sealed his career. And uh, it turned out that is not the case at all. And um, this is a, as you say, he got a, a suspended $20,000 fine, which basically means he only needs to behave himself with respect to COVID. I mean, this isn't if, if he, gets in a dispute with a chair umpire, that doesn't count. This is only health and safety related. Um, so essentially this was a slap on the wrist. And I, you know, I think this divided people and I, I give Sam a, a lot of credit for essentially saying, look, the, the facts aren't really in dispute. It's just a question of interpretation. And, and here's what I went through and put yourself in my shoes. And if you 
disagree with me, disagree. And uh, some people you know, took, took great offense and still do about what he did. Other people sympathize, but he basically said, you know, here, here's the story. It's, it's not really, uh, n not much is in dispute factually. Um, you know, in a lot of these cases, you wouldn't necessarily extend this platform to, uh, to an athlete without trying to find some balance from the other side. But I, I think it's not really a question of facts being in dispute. It's just a question of application of law and how severely you want to sanction him. Uh, so Sam laid out what happened and sort of gave us a, a, a TikTok and essentially said, here are the facts. Now, now go ahead and judge me armed with all the facts. And as, as you say, Jamie, some people still take uh, offense to this, his leaving a country, going to another country, breaching protocol. Um, you know, a, a lot of people essentially said, look, you, you run the risk and uh, you knew what you were signing up for. And I think other people saw, as, as you alluded to, he was in a, a fairly, uh, you know, a, a fairly desperate situation in a, in a foreign country with COVID tests and not a lot of clarity in terms of how the next few weeks would shake out with a seven month old in tow. Um, and, you know, candidly, I tend to land there as well. Not, not an ideal set of circumstances. And uh, you wish there had been another option and a little more communication in there. But I, I don't think you can really fault someone for being in Russia and not getting a straight answer, having COVID tests, having the possibility of being separated from your wife and seven month old and basically saying, I'm going to do this as safely as I can, but I, I got to get the hell out of here. Consequences be damned. So um, I, I don't know if there were other things that struck you reading his piece, but um, I have a hard time dredging up a whole lot of outrage, honestly. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people say, um, and we sort of talked about this briefly um, on the podcast before this, uh, that, you know, why, why bring your family in the first place, right? You know, it's a pandemic, you know, you're going to a different country, you have an infant, there's a lot of reasons there. And I know in his, in his chat with you, he, he basically said, you know, it's going to be a long time. I was away from my family and he wasn't prepared or, or ready to, to be gone for that long, um, which is fine. But I think one of the biggest things that struck me as he sort of, as you say, TikTok through what he had gone through and, and how the events transpired. One of the things, the, the point to me and what really makes this a story is when he gets the call from, you know, one of the ATP supervisors and, and just says, you guys are no longer welcome at, at the hotel. Um, and to me, I'm, it's just curious as to why, you know, why they were not going to be allowed anymore. Cause I think, you know, he makes a point saying, you know, there, there was a plan in place that if we were to test positive, this is what we had to do. We had to, you know, and they, they started to, you know, they were, he says, they were bringing in, you know, to go take out boxes of food and they were putting sheets outside the door. And, you know, I think everyone, um, you know, has a, someone they know, or at least a story they've heard about someone who had to quarantine in a hotel or something like that over the past few months. So I think that was like a very understandable situation. And so, that to me is the sort of the turning point. And it's, it's interesting as to why all of a sudden things flipped. And from there, I think it's relatable and, and you know, a little understandable that when he was put in that situation, um, you know, he, he was acting less as a tennis player following the rules that he was, you know, that he had agreed to and more just as a, uh, you know, person in a foreign place uh, dealing with, COVID, which is still relatively unknown to all of us, um, and then, you know, made the decision to get out of there. But yeah, it, it's, 
it's interesting. And as you say, I, I, I'm not finding myself enraged, but I can understand why people are frustrated because we've also talked a lot about the Adria Tor and the Zeravs. And so I think there's a lot, uh, that, that history, I guess, of ATP players and just their uh, irresponsible um, behavior in terms of COVID kind of leaves a bad taste. And then when something like this happens, I think it's hard not to connect the two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's a context here that has led to some backlash. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that apparently you can take take a private plane to the UK, or at least you could in October, and uh, they were they were letting people in without checking their COVID status. But I, again, I and I think you know, I, I think a lot of us can relate to this. We we acknowledge this is unprecedented. We acknowledge that for for all the policies in place a year ago, nobody thought we would be here, but inconsistency with respect to COVID protocol is really frustrating and erodes a certain trust in, in institutions. And I think uh, a lot of us go through this, there, there's going to be school, there's not going to be school, you need a rapid test, no, it's got to be a PCR test. And, and I think it's easy to put yourself in the position of, of an athlete an ocean away from home and not getting a straight answer. And as, as you say, why, why was he suddenly evicted from his hotel after being told he would be required to stay there two weeks, which, which seemed to me would have been the obvious solution. It would have, it would have saved him money. It would have saved uh, the, this whole situation. It's unclear why he would have been evicted from the hotel. But I, I, I feel like when someone's not being given consistent answers, especially in this situation, especially anyone who's been through this, you, know, you have a, a seven-year-old, a seven-month-old in tow, I, I think you look at this fact pattern. And again, it, it's not ideal. It, it's not to say that uh, we, we should make everything situational, but it, it does seem like uh, it's hard for me anyway to, again, generate much outrage. And I think you're right too. It's, it's hard to, uh, it, 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 it's hard to sort of see this as being of a piece with having a super spreader event as Djokovic did, or Zvera playing a match with COVID-like symptoms when every indication, every bit of information the players had been given said, don't do this. So um, anyway, I think Sam Corey plays on. He'll be in Delray this week. And uh, we will you know, presumably put this behind us because it's, I, I cannot imagine he will run afoul of uh, COVID protocol again for six months, which is what yeah. he's tasked with doing. Um, so let, let's run through these in the little time we have. Um, again, we, we did uh, sort of a quiz style. And, and this was a, a ripoff from Nicholas Kristoff. So all credit to him of, of the New York Times. But we spun forward 2021, and uh, we, we had a reader say, I, you know, I read your answers, but give me the logic behind them. So uh, let's do that. Let's indulge that. Uh, the first question we addressed was, uh, how many majors would be staged in 2021? Um, one, two, three, or four? I, I said four. What do you say? Uh, yeah, listen, I'm going to – I've obviously – read this, edited it, gone through. Uh, I, I agree with a lot of your answers, but I will spice it up a bit and change some of my, just so we have some, some differing opinions here. I'll, I'll go ahead and say three, um, just to say that maybe something happens. Uh, of course, we know that Wimbledon has um, some sort of uh, insurance and, and that was the one missing from the calendar last year. So who knows what happens? There are uh, spiking cases, new strains. Uh, we hope it's four, but just for some different answers, I'll say three. <laughs> um, I, I think you're right. If, if we don't have one, Wimbledon is likely it. I don't believe Wimbledon still has that insurance. I think that that paid out and uh, there was not a renewed policy 
by the insurer. Uh, but I, I think you're right that if we're not going to have one event, you know, Australia, everyone's getting on planes in a few days and uh, the French and the U.S. Open have already proven they can pull off one of these. I, I think you're right. If there isn't going to be a major in 2021, I, I suspect you're right. It'll be Wimbledon. Let's hope that's not the case. Um, but that led to how many majors staged in 2021 will be done so at their usual time, their appointed time and in front of the usual complement of fans. This was a better uh, phrase question, <laughs> in my uh, Sort of a lead-in. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we know Australia already um, will, will not have a full complement. So zero, one, two, or three, what do you say? Zero, yeah. I think this, uh, this question was more my cup of tea. Uh, the first one was a little too vague for me. But I think this, is, uh, this makes a lot of sense. Um, I think uh, the timing is going to be different. The calendar is you know, already shuffled slightly. And um, with Indian Wells being canceled, there's, I don't think we're going to see the typical tennis calendar um, in, in, a, in a long time, definitely not in 2021. I also think the attendance is a big part of this. And, right. you know, you keep hearing the same thing, at least in New York. What do we keep hearing? The last two things to snap back are going to be Broadway slash performing arts and, and sports. And again, I mean, we, we hope Pfizer and, and Moderna and AstraZeneca do their thing and that uh, public health officials accelerate this vaccine distribution. But it's just right now, it's really hard to imagine. I mean, you look at, I don't know if you have this, too, but you, know, you you watch a replay, for example, of the you know Nadal Medvedev 2019 U.S. Open final, and you say, what are all those people doing without masks so close to each other? I mean, right now, the notion of of 25,000 people piling into one venue, uh, so some of them in suites, indoors, in yeah. close quarters. I mean, it's just right right Screaming, now that seems yelling. like crazy world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mouths wide open. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, think I don't know. The COVID anxiety, uh, looking back on on things, looking back at photos, perhaps where you've been, um, in, you know, even thinking about, um, you know, situations of, for for regular people beyond, you know, sporting events and things. I think there's a lot of that there. So yes, uh, the uh, the the fans and that part of the majors, I don't think we're going to see get back to normal. For a long time. I, I don't know if you have the same experience. To me, it's it's like watching old sports where you say, you know, how did their their short shorts were so tight, or oh my god, <laughs> look, I can't believe uh, they let me out of the house with that haircut, or they're playing with wooden rackets. How do they have so much power? <laughs> That's the same uh, feeling I have watching, as you say, uh, fans shoulder to shoulder with their mouths wide open. You sort of cr cringe when you see that, and then you say, oh wait, that was only, you know, that was only eighteen months ago. Um, is let me I'll paraphrase this one is a ATP player going to win his first major in 2021 and if so whom yeah um let's let's go ahead and say yes uh I know you chose Andre Rublev um I'll, I'll go ahead and and give a nod to Stefano Tsitsipas here mm. and uh, say that maybe he gets his first major title in in 2021 I feel like every time we have this discussion with the men, at least, we sort of the, the instinct is, yeah, of course, there are four of these things, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of young talent. And then you just kind of go through the calendar and you sort of say, well, well, which one? Um, you know, you J Djokovic has quietly become to Melbourne what what Roger Federer is to Wimbledon. Um, I mean, he's just owned that place. 
over the last decade, year and a half. I mean, decade and a half. Uh, Nadal, Nadal and France is Nadal and France. Now, now we're down to two, and suddenly, you know, best of five at Wimbledon on grass. Tricky to figure out somebody who's going to get through all three of the big three, and now we're down to the U.S. Open. So, um, I. I, you're right. I, I said Rublev. If, if you were going to pick Sitsipas, which you did, which which event would you pick? Yeah, I mean he's he's what made. I think I think the only two majors that he's gone far in are the Australian Open and the French Open, and you just took those off the table. So uh, one thing I will say is that I think you know what we saw happen at the U.S. Open, for example, um, with something, of course, just completely. Uh, crazy happening with with Djokovic, you know, unprecedented. We, you know, no one would have thought that. But I think injuries or um, just everything with the calendar and COVID. I think there are a lot of ways for um, a player to suddenly have the doors open in terms of these big stars not being available, not being there, not being you know a challenger for some of these majors um, due to circumstances that are not just wins and losses. So that's the only thing that I'm thinking of. Um, I guess maybe we say U.S. Open uh, just just for fun. <laughs> uh, resting it from Dominic Team, which uh, is, of course, the U.S. Open, the last tournament where someone broke through and won a major for the first time. Um, what about same same for the women? Different, uh, different set of circumstances, obviously. To, to me, the other big thing that we just still don't talk about enough is best of three versus best of five. Obviously the women don't have that, that differential. Um, WTA player to win her first major. Will there be one and who will it be? Jamie. Yeah, your, your list of choices here was interesting for me. I think um, the, you know, the, the, if you look at the rankings, uh, Svitolina of course is, is up there and, and the closest, I think, for Madison Keys, it's been a, a rough go for the past year or so. And it with her getting so close a few years back, I don't think she's really gotten back to that point. Um, so it's it's hard to say. Um, and Sabalenka, of course, has been playing really well, still in the top 10. Um, so the, the list here is good. Um, I just think that we have seen so many players like Svatek or others who have really uh, come out of nowhere. Um, and so I think that if a player who, you know, has not won a major is going to win in 2021, it might not come from this list. So uh, I'm going to, I don't know if other, none of the above, <laughs> one of those choices. Um, if you were going to name the highest ranked player who has not won a major. You're right. Oh, I, I was wrong. You're right. It is Svitolina. I, I thought it might have been Pliskova, but she's a few points behind. She's ranked six versus five. Um, after that, man, a lot of players on the women's side have won majors. Um, we've forgotten even sort of the, the golden oldies and, and Azarenka and Mugu. I just, mm -hmm. I just don't see. There, there are so many players that are already on the board. Um, Naomi Osaka and... Call up and Serena. I mean, just go, go down the list. Yeah, Kerber, um, yeah we forget about Andrescu. Ker yeah, even uh, way down. I mean, even even the the, the Kerbers on the brink of retirement. Um, Andrescu is now back playing this week or scheduled to at least. Um, 
boy, I don't know. Um, I have a, I have a hard time seeing anyone breaking through, but you know, we would have said the same thing heading into the French Open and, and look what that gave us. Um, okay, let's do a few more. Uh, Roger Federer's 2021 will look like what? And will it uh, have the dreaded R word in it? Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, so. Choice B here says to that he will struggle with that pesky knee. And that seems like uh, it, it's been quite pesky these, these past few months. Um, I know he's one to, uh, you know, take it rather slow and be very smart with his schedule. So um, at first, before this most recent announcement about the Australian Open, I wasn't too concerned with his absence from the tour, basically, because he, he really... Um, as we've talked about, really just had gotten to the point where he was tuning his schedule to really peak at the times that were best suited for him for Wimbledon and for the grass and, and just for that part of the year. But I'm I'm a little concerned just because of the lengthy recovery and the fact that he had to have, you know, multiple procedures on the knee. So um, I think a big factor, and this is what you said, your choice, that he would Go out for go all out for Wimbledon, the Olympics, and the U.S. Open. And so I think whether or not the Olympics occur and happen as planned in 2021, um, and whether or not he can, you know, get himself ready, um, is going to be a, a big factor. I think the knee. Um, it. I, I want to go with B, but the fact that uh, retired this spring is. Uh, is part of that choice is is making me a bit reluctant. Um, I'm not sure that he will retire without sort of doing that last round that you mentioned, um, you know, with the, the Labor Cup included in there. I think the Labor Cup is a big is a big factor here for a variety of reasons. Do, do note that the Labor Cup, at least as things stand now, is going to be held in the U.S. and in, in Boston postponed from 2020. So, um, I, we were we were talking about this in the mailbag this week. I'm not sure you play your last match in Boston, Massachusetts, as a, uh, after a 20-year uh, unrivaled tennis career. Um, I mean, the, the Olympics are an interesting factor as well. It's, it's something that's meant a lot to, to Federer, and he has not, of course, won a, a singles gold. He does have a, a doubles gold with uh, Stan Wawrinka and has the silver medal from London. But um, Federer, remember, wasn't able to play in – Rio, I just got an email yesterday. This is the, the most over-budget Olympics is now the Tokyo Olympics and it hasn't even been held yet. Um, and we don't know how many fans they will accommodate. But I, I do think the Olympics will take place. I do wonder what that will do to the tennis schedule. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, Federer turns, of course, 40 years old on August 8th. And not so long ago, we would have giggled and laughed at the fact that we were even having a serious discussion about playing top-level tennis at, at age 40, but I think this is one of the, the happy trends in tennis. But uh, as the cliche goes, father time is undefeated. I, I had an email, um, I had a text from an agent, I don't know, maybe early fall, saying basically what's going on with Federer's knee. And I sort of said, I, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't heard anything. Is there news? And he said, no, but it's just, you know, Federer usually minimizes injury and he comes back so quickly and he posts videos of training, which are sort of a, a nudge nudge to the rest of the field. And he's working out in Dubai and we haven't seen any of that. I suspect this B rehab isn't going quite as, as planned. And uh, yeah. it, it turned out that was that was reading the room. That was that was prescient. And, um, you know, I mean, the, the guy takes exquisite care of his body. He plays a, a game that, of course, is is light 
and light on his feet. And he's had a very good track record overall with injuries through his career. But, you know, age, age 40 is age 40, speaking from uh, experience. Speaking of age 40, uh, speaking of people born in the second half of 1981 who will now turn 40, uh, Serena Williams, thoughts on her 2021, Jamie? Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on, on your choice here. I think she, if she wins her 24th major this year and, and she wins another one, I don't think anyone is going to be surprised. Um, and I don't think she's going to retire just yet. But I think that, as we talked about with Federer, she has gotten very good at uh, you know choosing her schedule. And I think she might be one of the players who this – pandemic this um you know time off from tennis and time spent with her family working on other parts of her life without um needing to feel the pressure of um playing tennis at the same time actually might benefit her and extend her career so i don't think the r word uh <laughs> applies here um and i i think you're right i think she'll you know pick her spots um you know play and hopefully the injuries that sort of plagued her at the end of last year will we'll have healed. Um, and whether or not she wins a major, I think, um, you know, really comes down to the, the surface and, um, you know, a, a lot of factors. I mean, she's, she's usually when she gets to the end, it's really a battle against herself. So um, perhaps the time that she's had uh, to kind of um, uh, away from tennis, maybe will help her overcome that. But um, I'm not, I'm not seeing her retiring or, uh, you know, ending her career anytime soon. Definitely not in 2021. The last major Serena one took place the same weekend as Donald Trump's inauguration uh, in January of 2017. That was the Australian Open, of course, when she beat Venus. So it will be four plus years. I feel like this is one of these, these functions in calculus where uh, with, with, sort of one of these step functions where every subsequent major, her chances go down. So I think her, her chances of winning a major in Australia are going to be her best chances for the year. And, um, you know, I, I think we, you, by now, if we know anything about Serena Williams, you don't underestimate her. She is capable of top-tier tennis. She was capable of top-tier tennis as, as recently as the U.S. Open. But um, you just – Sort of, you, you feel like if it, if it doesn't happen in Australia, the odds go down, and if it doesn't happen in, in France, and play is always going to be your toughest surface, the odds go down. If it doesn't happen at Wimbledon, um, I don't know what her sort of. I don't, I don't know where her head is, and I don't know what the incentives are for her to retire. I mean, she basically plays whenever she wants and rests whenever she wants, and I think everybody realizes that that's great. You know, I don't think anyone has any issues with that. And as long as she's still competitive, I, I think you're right. I think for a, a variety of reasons, um, one of them just something as mundane as one, one young child versus four children of, of different ages. I, I think Serena probably outlasts Roger Federer, but um, I, I do sort of fear that with every major she fares, fails to close, the, uh, the step function goes down. Um, let, me, let me interrupt this. I just got an email, Jamie. Would you like some tennis news? Breaking. Minor tennis news. No, I wouldn't say breaking, <laughs> but I do have some. Uh, this is, I just got an email, some interesting quarantine information uh, from the Australian Open. Apparently, the deadline for players, I'm reading this as I go, to nominate a team member to accompany them on site during the first week of quarantine. Uh, players have to give their, their name, that individual now, 
and some other quarantine protocol that I just received. Uh, there's, there's a negative test. Players can leave their room for up to five hours to practice, but only one of their team members can accompany them. So imagine being the second team member and you've got a quarantine for two weeks and you're not even allowed to take that five hour break to go to the courts. Um, that, is a, that is a brave soul. Failure to comply with any of the rules listed may result in loss of prize money disqualification and an extension of quarantine, as well as deportation from Australia. So uh, Australia is not wow. messing around. And I think um, these, these quarantine rules basically say you're, you're watching Netflix, you're, God forbid, reading a book, you're in your hotel room for 19 hours a day, for five of them you're at the court and only at the court. And after two weeks, you're, you're free to go. But uh, it will be interesting to see what impact this has on players physically, what impact this has on their tennis, also which kind of impact this has uh, emotionally, mentally. It, it cannot be fun and easy to be quarantined in a hotel with the only break going to uh, five hours of parole to do push-ups and sit-ups and hit some tennis balls. But um, Australia ain't messing around, and uh, these are quarantine protocols that. Uh, players just received. All right, let's do one more before we call it. Let's do kind of our, our sweeping. I, sh I should read all these options, but uh, sort of 2021, big picture. Where's this all headed? Uh, what, what do you see happening in, in 2021? Again, we'll, we'll link this column so people can see the, the four choices, but um, you have sweeping thoughts on uh, tennis in 2021, Jamie. Yeah, I, I mean, we can go through here, but I think you say the trend will happily continue in, in 2021. One of the things, the first one, uh, players of all shapes and sizes will be accommodated. I think um, it's one of the best parts of tennis is not only shapes and sizes, but the uh, you know international nature of the sport is one of my favorite parts. We, we talked about this, but I think the, the ATP and WTA will hopefully continue, um, you know, as you say, to recognize that they are better together um, and that, you know, operating as, as separate pieces um, at all times is, is probably not great. And I don't think we'll see a, you know, merger anytime in 2021, um, perhaps in the future. But I think um, the idea um, of, of, you know, you have Serena Williams on, on court at, at, you know, six o'clock and, and Roger Federer at eight, um, is uh, is one of the best parts of the sport as well. So hopefully uh, tennis in in 2021 will continue these trends. Someone asked me this week uh, what we would like to see from from the pandemic, what we would like to see stick. Uh, you know, I think we're all having this discussion in so many different contexts, right? We'll never go back to an office. Will outdoor dining stick around? Mm -hmm. uh, we sort of said facetiously, if, if ball kids no longer have to fetch towels, then that's, that's a good thing. But I think um, more seriously, if tennis can keep this spirit and, you know, some desperation and uh, extraordinary times have caused this, but if tennis can keep this spirit of cooperation and open-mindedness and, and nimbleness, uh, I, I think that will help going forward. And I think one of those, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It's, as you say, it's not just that I mean, I, th I think you're totally right. It's, it's not just so Serena Williams plays at, at 8 o'clock and Roger Federer follows her. It's that fans, they know both players. They have feelings about both players. There are very few people who say, I only like men's tennis, and I couldn't tell you who's that Polish teenager that won the French Open. There are very few people who say, oh, I, I love Naomi Osaka, but who's that left-handed guy from Spain? 
fans appreciate men and women, if not 50-50, there is knowledge and there's passion for both tours. And it's just, to me, it's so obvious that, uh, as the cliche goes, one, one plus one equals three. And this is something that people have been saying since I started covering the sport many moons ago. But um, maybe this will be a year of reckoning with that. Um, anyway, all right. So a lot to look forward to. We will post this column. We will have uh, a new guest next week. I want to quickly acknowledge um, some, some sad news, which is the passing of Bob Brett, uh, a longtime coach of many, many players. Uh, he was someone who was always not just, not just accessible, but always had something worthwhile to say. I always enjoyed talking to him and looking at the, at the tributes from any number of people. A lot of people had the same experience. He passed away this week. Um, longtime Australian coach, marathoner, uh, Bob Brett at age 67. Um, RIP Bob Brett. We will uh, have another podcast next week. We have results. We'll be able to talk about a women's event in the Middle East. We'll be able to talk about Delray. We'll be able to talk about Australian Open qualifying, real life tennis, and not just COVID and schedule talk. Stick around. We'll have a guest as well. Um, you can download, leave a review, subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. As always, Jamie, it's a pleasure talking shop with you. Thanks, Sean. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll do it again in seven days. Mm-hmm.